You are now listening to episode 80 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. This episode features Josh Somo, strength and conditioning coach at CrossFit Fortius in San Diego, California. I had the advantage of being on this call live, so I have a few days head start. The morning after this interview, I went to the local gym and I signed up and I started strength training. I've now had two strength training sessions. Perhaps you'll be inspired to do the same. Or if you're already involved in a program, maybe you'll find something here that helps inspire or redirect your program. point is here, this was a very inspiring phone call for me. Uh, Talking to Josh was absolutely fantastic. I was really dreading, for some reason, uh, making the call. I don't know Josh. I felt nervous, uninspired. I really felt like I had no firepower or anything to bring to any conversation that night. And Josh just lifted me up and just carried me forward for an hour and then We were an hour in, just like nothing. Amazing things happen in the pursuit of love, learning, and strength. Empowering yourself. I truly hope you find something special and memorable in this episode perhaps even just a laugh. That's enough of this intro. As always, I thank you for listening. Hello. What's up? Hey, Joshua. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, good. Nice to meet you. Nice to finally talk to you. Yeah, you too. How's All everything right. going? Oh, I kind of wrecked this. Uh, I think I, I think I got it now. Sorry for the delay. Oh, no worries. All right, so uh, Z said I needed to talk to you, so I just do whatever he tells me. Yeah, right. I kind of do that too sometimes with my training. I, I would say that's probably not a mistake then. <laughs> uh, so, sometimes the way I feel afterwards is a mistake, but uh, <laughs> it, it, I definitely get in. I definitely see improvements. Okay, that's good to hear. So, what do you guys do over there? So, uh, Z and I were coaches at a at a small little gym here in California. Um, I say small, but we do have several locations now. Um, CrossFit Fortius. Uh, we're in San Diego. We are weightlifting coaches. Uh, Z specifically is a powerlifting coach, and I'm specifically a weightlifting coach. Um, the differences there are powerlifting's the squat bench deadlift, and weightlifting is the snatch and clean and jerk. Um, okay, we met a hold on, years. just stop for a second. Okay. Let's cover that. Snatch, clean and jerk, what are those motions? So the snatch is a, snatch is a lift, where you take the bar from the floor and you receive it with straight arms overhead, preferably in a deep squat, and then you stand up with it. Okay. And then the clean and jerk is a two-movement lift, so you would take the bar from the floor, lift it to your shoulders, preferably receiving the bar in a deep squat, and then from there you would stand up, and then the jerk portion is a slight knee bend, and then you jump up in the air, punch it overhead, and catch it in a split. Whoa. That yeah. Sound, that sounds complex. It is a very complex movement. Sounds like with that one, form would be uh, crucial to safety and success. Absolutely. There's a, there's, a, there's, a very, there's a very steep learning curve in those. It, uh, you, don't, you don't normally see somebody pick those lifts up very quickly. 
Um, I usually tell most lifters when they first come to work with me that they have to give it at least three or four years before they feel comfortable with it. Oh, man. All right. So continue with the uh, bio there. So, uh, yeah. So Z and I are both weightlifters. I'm a weightlifting coach. Uh, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life for the most part. Um, I'm currently in school for athletic training and working on hours in a clinic to get into a physical therapy program to become a doctor of physical therapy one day. I, yeah, I enjoy helping people move. If I had to sum up a bio of myself, it's just I enjoy helping people move. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How old are you? I am 29. 29. Mm-hmm. I hear you're a rather large individual. Um, I've been told that. I'm a, I'm on the heavier side than most people and a little on the taller side. Okay. Yeah. And what's up with the name Samo? What is that? Somo. Somo? Uh, so- yeah. So actually, uh, that's funny you asked that. I, I don't know anything about my last name. All I know is it's Italian and that's about it. I, I don't oh, wow. know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I come from a very small family and I don't know much about my mother's dad's side. So I never really got to investigate that side of my family. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's actually something I've always been curious about. Um, sometimes I do get the urge to look it up and I'll Google my last name. And mainly what comes up is Somo is a place in Italy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I have a fake last name myself. But my last name, Davis, has... Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a Davis. I was just um, adopted. Oh, okay. And then so sometimes, I don't know, I just get bored or whatever, and I think about my, my last name, and I mm-hmm. look it up, and there's just not much info. So I'm kind of in the same, same boat, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's um it's weird. I I don't I don't feel like last names carry the significance they used to with there being so many people. I mean, obviously with um, Yeah, we've had a, Yeah, it's a little bit fragmented by now. Yeah. Yeah, like there's obviously there's last names like Trump, right? That <laughs> obviously everybody right. is going to be like, "Okay, we that we have associated that with something, but mm-hmm. No, we don't come from clans and things like that anymore where your your name carries a lot of weight. Well, you and you and Z are starting your own, so you don't yeah. need a last name. Just make up a new one. We're starting the Strength Heaven uh, and uh, Strength Deviant clans. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't lift myself, so I don't have anything to add to that conversation. But Z's been on my case for more than a year to start, and I keep saying I will, and then Yet, I have not. Well, it's definitely something to look into. Um, I always encourage everybody to find some form of strength training they enjoy. Uh, Strength training doesn't doesn't always need to be with a barbell and weight. It's just about doing the motions of the strength training that are more important. Yeah, I see a lot of um, uh, body weight proponents out there doing just... uh, just exercises with your own weight, you know, single legged squat, pistol, whatever it is, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're, I would like to talk to you more about your jujitsu, but something that carries over heavily into jujitsu is kettlebell training. If you were, if you've ever looked into that or you've ever been interested in that. Yeah, I've actually tinkered with it, um, over, over the past several years. Um, got the Pavel book, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a little cafe, and uh, we always kept a, at least one or two kettlebells in there. And uh, we would just clean out the just clean out the floor space, and people would just be doing kettlebells in our cafe. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I was fortunate. I had a very good instructor, and mm-hmm. he showed me some basic things. And I'm so unathletic and rigid. Um, stiff, you know, uh, I have no like athletic prowess and, mm-hmm. and my joints are just all locked up and, um, he wouldn't let me touch a kettlebell for quite a while. I went there for several months and he just had me do 
motions, <laughs> unweighted motions. And he put me in the old ladies class, which was hilarious. <laughs> and then mostly I just did um, like these um, carries where you would, yeah. would lo- like a suitcase, like a luggage carry. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would just pick up really heavy weight and walk across the floor three times and then collapse and cry. well it sounds like you found an excellent coach then i mean uh there there's nothing better than carries especially if you're trying to build your athletic prowess or maybe you're a beginner to strength training carries are literally the most basic form of strength training yeah i i I knew they were doing something when i couldn't walk down the basement stairs the next day (laughs) or for two days or three days thereafter nice I found a, uh, a little funny thing about you on your um, Twitter profile. It says you mostly have a Twitter account just to talk shit about your nu- <laughs> nutrition teacher. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so part, part of my athletic undergrad, athletic training undergrad is nutrition classes, obviously. We, you have to have some form of basic nutrition knowledge when you're dealing with people in a clinical setting you know, trying to promote health and proper movement and strength and things like that. And it's funny because the class is literally just my plate.gov. <laughs> that is <laughs> okay. I know. I, I mean, yeah, I've seen some of the for, tweets. So, yeah. For lack of the better words, the class makes me want to suck start a shotgun. <laughs> But are you so sure that you're right and that they're wrong? See, that's the thing. I don't know, though. See, that's that's the honest. That's the thing. the The thing that bothers me about it is is the promotion of grains in that class, and uh, and the idea that there's only one way to do it. I think that's what bothers me more about it than anything. Is when other people in the class, they want to know about ketogenic diets, the paleo diets, low-carb diets. She just refers back to that you need to eat grains, you need to eat carbohydrates, you need to eat low-fat. There's no other way to do it. Mm. And that's yeah. just wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. That, that right there is wrong. There is definitely more than one way to skin a cat. There's diets that work for some people. There's diets that don't work for some people. And to say that that's the only way to do it, you're doing people an injustice. I think that is an excellent point. That even if um, they have their particular template, your professor there should at least be open to the idea that there's a lot of unknowns and individuality and individual needs. And then also a lot of variance in what's available to different people. And historically. So... Yeah, absolutely, and especially with the uh, like a surge, like the the rise of this low carb diet, which is doing people like it's it's helping so many people, and to just to look at it and and to look at this my plate and say that well everybody ha- is doing this much activity, so they need to eat all these carbohydrates. It's just not true. I think I think more often than not people are too sedentary to eat the amount of carbohydrates that a diet like that requires. And I think that needs to be, I think that needs to be like the kind of like the asterisks at the end of it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you need all these carbs, but if you're sitting on the couch and you're not out there earning those carbs, you don't need them. Yeah. And the carb thing aside, I think regardless of lifestyle, no one, eats enough protein absolutely and i mean like it's almost impossible anyways <laughs> we just we're, we're just our plates or our uh our dietary styles is just not dialed in to to the protein meat is just not convenient for some people it there's if you're not if if there's not eating beef jerky i mean they're just going to scoop whey protein and people just don't do that it's 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 not like other foods where we have all these processed foods that are just loaded with fats and carbohydrates, and it's real easy to just skip the protein or just look at it and say, oh, well, it has, it's fortified with 20 grams of protein. Yeah, it's funny. All the um, industrial foods are salt, sugar, fat, 
-hmm. And then if you get into weightlifting or, you know, see the diet of any bro dude, um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of protein powders in the mix. Absolutely. What's up with, what's up with the protein powder? I, I, I can't get a good conversation on this, um, from the clinical side, people I know that are smart and educated about health nutrition. Um, they say basically that, uh, there is no need for, um, an additional protein supplementation when lifting mm-hmm. if you're eating correctly. And then I talked to bro guys and they're like, no, it's bullshit. You have, we, you have to, to build muscle mass. So I, I, I'm under the impression that there's a good, better, best when it comes to the protein. Okay. If, if you're not eating enough protein and maybe two scoops of whey protein gets you there, I encourage that. I absolutely encourage that. If you are lifting weights and you're not eating like six eggs for breakfast and you don't want to eat beef at lunch and you're not eating chicken at dinner or some other type of meat with all of your meals, you probably aren't getting everything out of your strength training and you probably need to go back and look at your diet Mm -hmm. because you can't outwork your diet at any point. So I, I, in my opinion, as a weightlifting coach, I don't think you need a lot of protein. I think you need the 0.8 to 1 gram per uh, like kilo of body weight, maybe pound body weight. I don't know. I've heard two different arguments on that. I think as long as you're getting somewhere around that and maybe you're supplementing with a little bit of protein powder, I think you're okay. Okay. But back to your point of as long as you're eating – a good diet and that's the part people don't do right is they just don't eat a well-balanced diet when they're doing it and absolutely you do not need protein powder if you're eating a proper diet but most people don't want to take the time to meal prep they want to they don't want to take the time to cook for themselves in the evening they don't want to take 20 minutes to get up early and actually cook breakfast so i think that's i think that's where the need for protein powder comes in for some people i hear you okay yeah, I'm, uh, I've been all over the board on various supplementation recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had periods in my life where I'm like, there's bullshit. There should be no supplements. You shouldn't take anything. Uh, and then um, I've found that actually there's probably a few you need. Mm-hmm. So if I, I'd say like, uh, for example, magnesium mm-hmm. um, is something I'd say generally pretty much anyone in the population should at least try some magnesium to see what it does for them. Absolutely. And so then I shouldn't discount people who are using protein supplements also because they may have a specific need. So, you know, sometimes I'm having um, old arguments in my head, but. No, and I understand. I, I think the protein, I don't think there should ever be an argument for like, I don't think there should ever be an argument about protein. Cause if you look at, what most people advocate when they're trying to push whatever diet they're trying to push. Nobody ever, nobody ever talks about reducing protein or increasing protein. If you look at like the paleo diet, ketogenic diets, even the myplate.gov diet. Um, the problem with the myplate is the sources they recommend, but they, they all recommend, you know, that 0.8 to one gram per, you know, body per, a pound of weight protein intake they all recommend the same and the only thing that varies for them is the fat and carbohydrate intake mm, interesting everybody's mm-hmm. pretty much on the same page about we all need to be eating a certain amount of protein no matter if we're sedentary super active we all need to be eating the same amount of protein yeah we're, we're all made out of the same stuff so that does kind of make sense and then Absolutely. i guess uh adjust as needed perhaps <laughs> mm-hmm. The, my issue with the my plate in protein is when we went over those that macronutrient in my nutrition class, uh, she, she said, well, animal sources are good, but egg whites and legumes are the best sources of protein. And I, I was about to like just smash my face against the table when she said that. And then she went on to stipulate, her stipulation was, it's because they're lower in fat. Ah. 
right? And I was like, okay, well, if you look at what the MyPlate diet advocates, then those protein sources make sense. But you're also not getting all the benefits of like cholesterol, saturated fat that come from eating animal products. Yeah, the um, the recommendation to eat egg whites and to remove the yolk is a, a very – that's a head-scratcher there. I, I can't see – how they could come up with any evidence that that would be the optimal way to eat an egg. It just, I know. It makes no sense on like 38 different levels. The, the <laughs> fact that the egg is has the two parts, for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the separating of it and throwing away that the precious yolk, just it, it, that's an absurdity. I know. If anything, just take a few, throw a few extra yolks in my scrambled egg. If anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I think that the egg white, I, like I said, I think the egg white thing just comes from that there's no fat involved in it. And this myplate.gov diet is really, just really advocates that fat is the reason people die of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And it just. It's going to be interesting because there's there's a point in this class where we have to do a diet analysis and we have to track our food intake for like a week straight. And then we have to show the teacher and then we get credit for it so that we hopefully understand what we're putting in our bodies. And I think this is going to be very beneficial to 99% of the class because I've heard some very weird misconceptions about um plant proteins, mm-hmm. uh, bottled water being bad for you, <laughs> uh, like all types of weird stuff in this class, right? Interesting, so I think, yeah. I think it's good that people will understand what they're putting in their body, but I think the funniest part is going to be when she looks at mine and she sees that a huge portion of my diet is fat and I'm healthy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's another thing we had to do for the class too is we had to have fasting blood work done and i just had it done my total cholesterol was low my hdl ldl was in the ratio my hdl was like a point low and then my fasting blood glucose was like 82 milligrams per deciliter and then she's gonna look at my diet analysis and be like you're eating 40 percent of your calories from fat you're gonna die you're gonna die yes right your heart's going to clog and i'm just gonna show her my blood work and be like i don't think so yeah yeah so I, I hope I can have a conversation with her and kind of get her maybe more of her, more of an honest answer out of her of what she believes, because I, I do, I do feel there's also a part of this curriculum where the school's kind of dictating it, where if my plate got gov, if that's what they're saying, well, then that's probably what the school should be teaching. Right. That may be, have a lot to do with their funding. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like the standard of care in medicine. You know, there's just these certain things they have to do, even if the doctor's rolling his eyes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I want to hear about your jujitsu. I want to hear about your yeah, well, journey into jujitsu. Well, I'll tell you quickly is it was mm-hmm. very short. <laughs> I was only able to um, participate for one month. Myself, okay. my kids have been in it for six months. Mm-hmm. Then um, we all had to stop because financially, I I, I couldn't pay the bill. It's it's I'm rather sure. expensive. I got three kids, mm-hmm. and then for me personally, I have some health issue. <laughs> okay, and um, it's in my groin area, and it has to do with my uh, lymph nodes, and okay. it's it's kind of a scary thing. Um, mm-hmm. I may be dead. I may be dead man walking. I don't know. Mm. So I was going to try some um, weightlifting techniques to help try to uh, build some muscle mass and hopefully um, clear out the, the lymph um, system there. Okay. Um, I did a little bit of research, and uh, from what I've read, uh, utilizing the muscles and building muscle mass can help um, clear this up. So okay. um, the jujitsu. Mm-hmm. was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and I don't think anything even comes close. It 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 was it, it was brutal and I didn't even do the sparring so much. Mm-hmm. Just, just <laughs> I mean I'm so bad just the 
pre-workout running around and moving your arms and legs. And I was kind of laying on the ground, huffing and puffing. Okay. But, but then, um, I just went to a fundament, uh, fundamentals class. So he would teach a skill. We would drill that skill. And then like the last 20 minutes, we would do like a, a line sparring thing where you just go in a rotation. Mm-hmm. And that killed me. Just death, <laughs> death. It, 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 uh, it works out parts of your body you didn't know you had. It, it, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, just even your toes get activated. Mm-hmm. Like just doing those hip slides on the mat yep. where you're sliding yep. your hips out. I noticed mm-hmm. that my toes were spreading. Like I could feel everything just activating. It was, it was a crazy experience. And the first time I did those slides up the mat, you know, the whole class was done three laps and I was halfway. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just kept going and they're all standing there. So maybe I did them a favor and gave them a little breather <laughs> <laughs> while they waited for me to finish. Um, but, uh, it's, I think I'm in a great school, mm-hmm. excellent coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a, like a little, it's like a, a good bond there. Really good people. Very supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. I, I tell everybody all the time that the jujitsu community is the most supportive and friendliest and encouraging community I've ever been involved in in my entire life. There are no egos on the mat. Everybody is helpful. No, it's, I've been absolutely speechless with my last, well, my only 18 months of jujitsu that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's been a phenomenal experience. It is phenomenal, and it's taxing on the brain as well. It, mm-hmm. It's it's just hard to describe. I, the, you have to go and do it. It's the only way, thing I can say. And absolutely, uh, for me, it was just such a. I'm just putting myself in such a strange place going out there. When you put mm-hmm. that gi on, you're standing there barefoot on the mat, and it's like go. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it really exposes you. It puts you in it's... the most uncomfortable position with another human being. Oh, yeah. You might as I mean, it, it having the gi on doesn't matter. You might as well be naked. That's how you feel. Mm-hmm. Completely Absolutely. raw and exposed. And especially being uh, weaker and uh, at zero skill level, mm-hmm. it's incredibly intimidating. But it's it, it's, but the, it's it's exciting all at the same time. Yes, you're you're yes. nervous and you're intimidated, but you're you just can't wait to just put your hands on somebody's lapel and choke the shit out of them. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that's the funny thing is I'm just not that personality. Like I don't mm-hmm. really want to fight anyone. I I don't know. I I don't. So that was the. The harder part is the actual physicality of it. Mm-hmm. So I have this like conception of I'd like to learn how to defend myself or something. But then when mm-hmm. you're in there in the mix and then rolling, it's like, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a fucking strange thing. <laughs> it definitely is. And I, I would go as far to say that jujitsu has, has really changed the person I was over the last year. Um, it's, it is, it has built this level of respect for other human beings that I didn't have before because now I'm in a gym with people half my size that are the nicest human beings in the world. But the second that buzzer goes off and we start that six minute roll, they are sharks. They are killers. <laughs> Yeah. And now when I look around and I'm walking around in my day-to-day life, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I definitely used to be one of those aggro, typical men lifting weights. Is like, oh, I, I could beat that person. Uh-huh. And now I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't know if that dude could just, just sidekick me in my face right now. you right out, yeah. Or just yeah. choke me with my backpack on. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. It, it, it has changed my perception of people. And I think that's the biggest thing I've gotten out of jujitsu. It, it has completely changed my perception of like who people are. Huh. That's cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, first day of sparring, the first partner, the guy I was partnered up with is like, I don't know, six, three, two, eighty. <laughs> I'd say like maybe taller than that. He's kind of like your prototypical defensive tackle in the NFL. Okay. So he had the giant hip and thigh and just mm-hmm. a chest like six times the size of mine. And he's a brown belt. And and he would lay on me. He would just use his own weight. And I was smothered and scared. Mm-hmm. Just that ghee on your face, that heavy cloth. Yep. You know, and he's just, mm-hmm. just he just like melts into you. Yeah. And your arms are kind of stuck. And you have to like relearn how to breathe. It's like being <laughs> trapped underwater, yeah. but you know there's air there. And that... So I don't want to scare people away, but it's a scary thing at times. No, it absolutely is. But I think I think what you can learn, I think what anybody can learn from that position is learning how to be calm when you think you're about to die. That's right. I mean, that's, that's right. what that teaches you. That it is teaches an you instant to know. deep meditation, or you're going to panic. Absolutely. I mean, you you definitely if you if you've always been one of those people in your life where you've thought. I'm never going to get out of this. Nothing's ever going to get better. Do a six-minute jujitsu roll, and you're going to feel like that for the entire six minutes, and then it ends. And then you come out on the other side, and you're like, well, that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'll do it again. You're right. And then you do it again, and you get that whole panic feeling again. And then all of a sudden, after a few times you roll, you're like, this is going to go away. I just have another minute of this. This is going to go away. I... I'm not going to die. Yeah, th- it will pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll learn from my mistakes, and yeah, it'll pass. Yeah, a friend of mine who got me into jiu-jitsu said it took him like six months to eliminate the claustrophobic feelings. Mm-hmm. And now he says they're more like a tool, that he knows he's in trouble, but he, he the panic isn't there anymore. Because, you know, probably having a skill set, you know, knowing some mm-hmm. leverage, um, he had his brain knows the escapes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a reassuring. Absolutely, he's he's myelinated the pathways where it's just second nature now, where he's being smothered and his body just reacts to being able to get out of those situations now. Yeah, and it was it was just kind of just so humiliating, you know, when I was sparring with mm-hmm. this guy and we're just doing this drill. And he's laying on his back. I don't even know what the positions are called, but mm-hmm. he's on his back and I've got like one knee between his, you know, I'm like kneeling down and I have mm-hmm. to grab his leg and move it. And it was all I could do to just move his leg. It was, he was just laying there coaching other people on his back, <laughs> looking around. And I'm like trying to lift this leg like it's a log stuck in a ditch. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I still remember like the the first day I went and I, I I'm a I am a bigger guy and I, I consider I consider myself to be very strong. And uh, to have a hundred and sixty pound male make you feel helpless in his own arms and uh, to do everything you have to do to fight out of that is uh yeah. I, I hear you. I, I've definitely lifted my fair share of legs off me at jujitsu. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I just sitting around. I spent a lot of time in the, you know, in the jujitsu gym because my kids have been there for you know five six months. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to a lot of the dads. A lot of the dads are jits players, and I just like to talk to these guys a little bit. Um, I'm not big on talking in public, but a few people, yeah, I kind of will open up to and ask questions. You know, uh, I was talking to this one guy. I was just talking to him about strength and his history. And he's like, oh, man, I used to be, I I used to think I was so strong. He's like, I totally kicked ass at CrossFit. And he's a big, strong guy. He's thick and strong and all that. And then he said, when he got to jiu-jitsu, he said, you know, he he felt like a child, like like baby strength. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing how uh, positioning and technique will always beat brute strength. 
I mean, there's there is a point for strength, I think, and I, the way I've heard it best said in jujitsu is uh, technique is your steering wheel, and then strength is your gas pedal. But uh, if you can't navigate those corners, you're just going to blow right off the track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you have actually entered some competitions. Yeah, I um, I recently competed at uh, it's sports jujitsu. Uh, International Federation, I think that's what it was called. There's so many little federations for jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I think it was called the SJJIF, Sports Jiu-Jitsu International Federation. So it was the the first tournament I've ever competed in that wasn't in-house. So it wasn't against people that I normally roll with or that train in the same system that I train in. It was a a very, very interesting experience to step out on a mat with gentlemen I've never met before in my entire life to shake their hands and then to fight them for six minutes. And then afterwards, introduce myself and talk to them. (laughs) Right. That is awesome. But it was, um, I, I signed up because... I was going to jujitsu a lot. I was getting really good. Um, I was getting to a point where I was consistently tapping out blue belts and sweeping and defending purple belts just as a white belt. And I, I said to myself internally, I was like, I need to find out if I can do this on people I don't normally fight. I need to find out if I can do this on somebody that I've never met before and I don't know what they're capable of. Interesting, yeah. Because... Uh, being a bigger guy, uh, the people I roll with day to day, it's very selective. There's there's only certain people I can roll with, right? And they have to usually they're the men that are about 180 and up. I'm not obviously not going to roll with the smaller guys, the younger kids, the the women, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, I really started to learn other people's game, like how they approach jujitsu what they were good at, what they weren't good at, what what they couldn't defend, what they could defend. And a lot of the roles I was doing in the class were becoming very identical. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, like, I would roll with the, this is one guy I can think of, his name's Chris, and we, it in my mind, every role was identical for like three or four months. They were identical. I knew what he was going to do. He knew what I was going to do. And it just played out the same way. Mm-hmm. So I, I committed to myself to say, I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to figure out if I can do this against people I don't know. So I signed up for this tournament. Uh, being a bigger guy, there wasn't a lot of people that signed up. I only had two fights that day. There was three of us total in the bracket. And uh, I submitted both guys in regulation. And I, I won the gold medal at my first tournament. Wow. That wasn't yeah hey, awesome yeah i uh the first match i i was i was up 17-0 over the guy when i finally submitted him uh i'm not exactly sure what the submission was when he tapped i know i was going in a mount and i may have accidentally just forearmed him in the face too hard when i was trying to <laughs> mount up and he tapped yeah yeah and then my second match uh, it was a good one. It was a really good one. The the guy immediately went for the... Sh- he immediately shot in. I sprawled out. We we fought for like a minute or two in this sprawling position. I finally let him take me down, knowing that my half guard is really good. I was like, I'll recover half guard. I'll sweep him. I know I can do that. I ended up sweeping him, and I got the north-south position. And we, we struggled there for about a minute, and then I finally finished him with a Kimura from north-south. Mm-hmm. So you think in the, in this situation, um, your previous strength training has a, a, a big advantage? Absolutely. I think I think specifically the snatch and clean and jerk has gave me an advantage in learning jujitsu. And I think the advantage comes from the fact that there's so much skill involved in both of those lifts, and the skill acquisition increases athleticism to a point where I could 
very easily learn these patterns that is jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And once I latched on to a pattern I liked, which is the half guard, I I quickly picked up sweeps and submissions from that position. Can you explain briefly what half guard? So half guard would be you, if you and I were rolling, that would be you kneeling in front of me and then me laying on like a 45 to a 50 degree angle on my side mm-hmm. with my legs wrapped around one of your legs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then from there, another position that I like to play is called deep half, which is I would just underhook the other free leg and I would pull it over my shoulder. So basically you're doing a split on top of my chest. Mm-hmm. And that's how you end up in that north-south kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I, I like to do a little like hip sweep and it knocks them on their back. And then I'll just I'll push up from there and put my knee right through the groined area to slice open the leg and then switch around in the north-south from there. So do you think the lifts that you do, are they are these really good at um, activating the hips and training those muscles and that, you know, for that hip action, that strong, explosive hip power? Absolutely. That seems the, to be crucial. If, like, you can bridge, if you can push up or, you know, move your hips, it's it's very difficult for someone um, who, who is has no hip mobility you know your hip flexors are useless you can't swivel your hips you can't thrust you know Mm -hmm. absolutely it's a strange thing it's not something you would normally work out on a daily basis even if you were doing your bicep curls or whatever yeah absolutely uh most most sports are are hip extension dominant and when i say hip extension that's the idea that if i was to just throw my arms over my head and reach up that elongation of my hip and torso, that is hip extension. And if you look at all sports, basketball, football, baseball, jujitsu, they all rely on that extension of the hip to be explosive. And the snatch and clean and jerk are amazing ways to work on that hip extension because picking the bar up off the ground and getting that bar over your head or to your chest Mm -hmm. relies on a very strong glute contraction to extend that hip. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. I think and this then, is something um, Z and I talked about a little bit. I don't know if it was on air or not, but mm-hmm. strength training for jujitsu players, or what are some of the ideas, or what are some things people can do? I have mm-hmm. a lot of guys that you know ask me or that I talk to in conversations because most of the guys I'm talking to are. Like it's like old man jujitsu, as Rob Wolf calls it. You know, forty yeah. plus year old dudes, thirty five plus, say. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're 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 working out too much. They're they're basically training seven days a week because mm-hmm. they they got to put that weightlifting. They're putting the weightlifting in the mix, and they're doing jujitsu four days a week. Mm-hmm. And so they're constantly asking me, not constantly, but it's a constant theme in the conversation. What how to crack the nut, how to, how to build some strength, some power, uh, without uh, killing yourself. Cause uh, a lot of guys report that they have no legs the next day, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between power and strength. Power is how fast you can move something. So you and I can put out the same amount of power and lift completely different weights. Uh, it's all about bar speed, uh, to sum it up shortly. It's all about how fast you move something. Whereas strength is about just moving a heavy load. Um, you don't see a guy pull a 900-pound deadlift very fast, but you would say he's very strong. Mm-hmm. But that, that gentleman can also pull maybe a 400-pound deadlift off the ground in less than a second, and I would say he's very powerful. Mm-hmm. So... What I would say to people that are maybe coming to me and saying, I'm too sore, I'm trying to lift four days a week, I'm trying to jujitsu four days a week, I would say you need to simplify your training and you need to think about what your goals are. So if as a jujitsu player, if your goals are jujitsu and to get better at jujitsu, the focus is not strength training. The focus is jujitsu. And the strength training should be 
incorporated to make the body feel good, to work on proper positions for those movements, and to also just move a weight relatively fast for a few sets and then be done with it. Mm-hmm. So if you're squatting and you can't air squat perfectly, I would say that is your strength training is to work on air squatting properly, maybe with a heavy book bag on or just the barbell. Mm-hmm. That could be the base level of strength training. A jiu-jitsu player does not need to be at a 24-hour fitness, leg pressing, bench pressing, lat pull-downs, the whole nine yards, right? That is a completely, the goal there is different. As a jiu-jitsu player, I would offer them the idea of maybe squatting one day a week and deadlifting one day a week and keeping the workout to under a half hour and keeping the weight light enough that they can move it fast and maybe do eight to 10 meaningful reps with that weight, Mm -hmm. right? Because the the act of moving that bar fast is neurologically stimulating. And then when they get to the mat, the the hip is going to know how to move fast. It's going to know how to generate that power again. Mm -hmm. But if they're in there pulling four or 500-pound deadlifts or near-max deadlifts, a few days a week or back squatting that same way, the central nervous system one is just going to be beat down and they're not going to have any type of brain capacity or be able to contract the muscles the way they're going to want to for the positions they're in. And also they're just going to be exhausted mm-hmm. and they're just not going to want to train. I would, I would offer that they need to set their goals better and look at what they're doing to train more efficiently. And with that being said, they should also be looking at sleep and diet as well if they're feeling exhausted. Yeah, that was going to be my next thing. Um, what do you do for, um, say, jujitsu-specific uh, recovery? Mm-hmm. Um, so my only – how should I say this? So what I do for recovery is – And I don't I mean just, to say that whatever you uh, do is what everyone else should yeah. do. It's just an idea, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So – my idea of recovery is if I'm tired, I don't work out. If I'm one of those people that if I get up in the morning and I'm like, well, today's normally the day I do jujitsu and I'm feeling tired, I don't go. And I try to come home and I try to go to bed a little earlier. I, I try to listen to my body the best I can. I, I don't believe in that idea that you got to work, you got to work extremely hard and you got to push through being tired and you're going to have to stay up late and you're going to have to do long hours and you're going to have to get yourself up early to, you know, that, that doesn't work. Uh, I think on the recovery end, the best advice I can give and something that I've done that has improved my recovery is sleep is a hundred percent sleep. Um, I recently blacked out my room. I recently started blocking blue light in the evenings with, uh, some yellow tinted glasses Um, I do take some uh, ZMA supplement as well, zinc magnesium aspartate, to help Mm -hmm. my sleep. Mm -hmm. And when I improve not the length of my sleep, but the quality of my sleep, I was able to train harder and train with more intensity. That is awesome. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I definitely did it wrong for a long time. And it, and this revelation of recovery is, is actually a real, is a new thing is a very new thing for me. Uh, last year I lost 44 pounds. Um, I brought myself back from being pre-diabetic. 44 pounds. Yeah. 44 pounds. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And I brought myself back from being pre-diabetic and I was still training. That whole time I was doing that, I was training. And there were weeks where I could train three, four, five days a week. And then because I wasn't sleeping right, because I was obviously overweight, my I would have to just take like two weeks off sometimes because I was just exhausted. Mm, mm-hmm. And then when I started to lose the weight was when I improved my sleep. Yeah, the weight loss could actually imp- also help improve your breathing. 
Absolutely. And that would definitely help your sleep. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I would definitely say that the biggest thing somebody can do for recovery is look at how they're sleeping and be 100% honest with it. Mm-hmm. Because too often do I hear people say, well, yeah, I slept enough last night. And I go, well, what time did you go to bed? 11. Well, what time did you get up? 6.30. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're not being honest with me about your quality of sleep. Or you don't understand what a good night's sleep feels like. You're right. And if they say they go to bed at 11, they may have been on Facebook till midnight mm-hmm. on their iPhone, tablet, whatever. Yep. And that's like negative sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might as well just stay up all night. <laughs> it's probably about an equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. So, But yeah, the, the biggest thing anybody can do recovery is sleep, I would say. And then I would think the, the next thing after that would be looking at your diet. And trying to figure out what foods work with you best. I'm not the person that advocates one diet or another because some people can eat grains. Some people do well with legumes. Some people do well with dairy, right? You have to figure out what what works for your body and what what doesn't make you feel like crap the next day. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely the type of person that, like on Easter... I went to a friend's house. I ate lemon cake. I felt like I had a hangover Monday. Huh. Uh-huh. Right? I know that about myself. Yeah, yeah. So I don't do it all the time, right? But if you're the type of person that's like, well, I'm going to go home, I'm going to eat dinner, and then I'm going to mow down a pint of ice cream and feel like I have a hangover every day, well, s- stop it. Maybe there's, Maybe you want that pint of ice cream because you're not doing something else right with your diet. Or you just have to practice some self-control and realize that it's it's not a, it's not affecting you the way you want it to. Yeah. The brutal truth to this mm-hmm. may, may be for people who are a little out of line like that is they need to seek love. They need mm-hmm. to fix a hole inside their heart. <laughs> yeah. um, is there something missing if you're... Mm-hmm pounding alcohol, pounding ice cream. I'm not demonizing treats. I'm not demonizing these things. But when done mm-hmm. to excess, it's not your relationship with the foodstuffs. It's a relationship mm-hmm. with you, with within you, and your reaction to the world, right? Absolutely. So I think um, counseling, meditation, many, mm-hmm. many, many other things could uh, play a big role in health recovery, strength, all these things in life. Absolutely. By the time someone's 40, they've been beat down, hurt, lied to, cheated on, shit on, mm -hmm. smashed, whatever, ripped off, 10 million things. And you've got to find mechanisms to uh, let this go and pursue health. A hundred percent. And my, my antidote to that is, uh, meeting my fiance. I don't think I ever would have lost the weight without her because I had her support. Mm. So that, I mean, that's the other deep rooted thing, right? Is I had her support. She encouraged me when I, when I felt like when it, when it was hard, when I felt like I wasn't losing the weight, when I wanted to just be a chubby dude and eat 10 burritos at the end of the day, right? She was like, you know, that's not part of your goal. So, uh, no, I agree 100%. Is I think a lot of what food, people's association with food, is it comes from a, a mo- an emotional response, needing something, or needing something, or maybe not not ever getting something that they should have gotten at a younger age. Yeah, I um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Stephen. Guyane or Guyane. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. No, I'm not. Okay. He's very famous in the um, ancestral health and uh, online health blogger world, you know, whatever, blogosphere. His whole thing is about the brain um, and food reward. And um, I, I don't say I want to call bullshit on it, but... I think he's missing a key element. He's he's so hyper-focused on the brain itself. Mm-hmm. But I think there's 
that's not even half the story. That's less than half the story. There's mm -hmm. a whole other <laughs> component of us that's rarely talked about. And that's the, the thing I was just recently talking about. It's that sense of self, worth, you know, fear, all these things. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to untangle for some people. Um, that's why I tell folks that are 40, get off the YouTube and stop listening to 22-year-old weightlifter dudes that have a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot no, of people absolutely. I know follow um, some gal who's a keto weightlifter. You know, she's 24. And mm -hmm. I'm like, don't use her as inspiration. She hasn't met a challenge yet. Mm -hmm. She's still on the up. She's still going up. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that you say that, like, about being 24 and she's never faced any challenges. Like, we've all been 24 and thought we had it figured out and then got to, well, I mean, it happened, happened to me this year. I'm going to be 30 this year. And I got to the point I was like, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. I haven't, I haven't, I'm starting to face challenges now and I'm starting to learn from those challenges and I'm starting to not make the same mistake twice. And, uh, and sometimes when I'm giving weightlifting advice, I'm just like, man, I, I still got a lot to learn. Like I'm, I'm learning all these things and I'm, I know I'm going to make mistakes and I know I'm going to break somebody off one day and they may not ever work out again. But right. I'll tell you what though, that mm -hmm. teaching, that teaching, that is the learning. That's, Absolutely. When, that's when you're learning the most, and you will be a better teacher. Be, be exa everything you're saying is exactly right. This is the, uh, what is it, the uh, uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Yeah. You're, you know everything before you mm -hmm. begin. And then there's this massive decline in what you know <laughs> while you become very proficient at what you do. It's, it's, funny. it's funny that we're talking about this because... I, I was at my internship today, so I'm interning as a physical therapist at a clinic, and I just hit 91 hours in the clinic today. And from the start of the from the start from zero to 91, I would say I have a thousand more questions than the answers I got, hmm. and that alone is what makes me want to go further with it. But. I thought I had it figured out when I got there. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a physical therapist. This is simple. I've read all this stuff. Yep. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to be the best physical therapist ever. And then they look at me and they're like, well, do a posterior pelvic um, activation. I was like, I actually don't know what that is. And they're <laughs> like, they're like, okay, well, come over here. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, oh, it's like. I don't know how people don't get excited about it, though. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's just exciting, right? To it's exciting to be wrong sometimes and like learn from it, or it's exciting to make mistakes, right? Because that's that's the learning process. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to ask you. You brought up meditation a few times. Do you meditate? No. <laughs> no. I don't do a lot of things that I know I should do, but actually. Uh, to be honest, yes, I'd say I do, but I do it in a uh, intermittently, okay. <laughs> and I do a kind of a nighttime ritual. Okay. So some people might just call it falling asleep, mm -hmm. but um, I think that's th just the best time for me. Okay, and I know that I'm meditating because of all the pain that it revealed. Mm -hmm. I know I wasn't just falling asleep and struggling to fall asleep mm -hmm. because I worked through a ton of shit that I had no idea was bothering me. Mm -hmm. It was just astonishing things from 30 years ago. And suddenly I'm like mortified that <laughs> I did that thing to someone, you know, it's, Absolutely. You, you can't apologize. It's too late. Wait, why is this pinging me? This has been living in my subconscious mind this entire time. Like, no wonder I'm such a fucking wreck. Mm -hmm. 
No, 100%. Like sometimes sometimes you get deep into meditation and you start worrying about stupid shit you did in high school. That's what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. A lot exactly. of a lot of it exactly. actually started back. Mm-hmm. Yep, a lot of those old high school memories came up. I'm 44. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, a lot of that, a lot of it went back to that. Um I don't have many regrets from my childhood mm-hmm. that I did wrong things, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of wrong done to me. So that's mm-hmm. like a different thing you have to deal with. Yep. And then I think once I reached my adolescence, I, adolescence, I, I started doing bad things to other people. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't an evil person, but I can see like my, I was being reactionary. I was using a lot of what had happened to me and pushing it onto other people. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot to untangle. And then my, my trick is I finally stopped struggling with it and i just said within myself all right i'm just going to let this flow i'm gonna take it whatever it reveals to me and i'm not Mm going to deal with it i'm not going to make a decision i'm not going to judge it i'm just going to let it come in and hopefully it'll just go away like a mist and then i fall asleep Mm -hmm. and i do that repeatedly and repeatedly and then other times I, i i try not to because it's just a, it's a bit much. Absolutely. I I think the biggest thing I've learned from meditation is that the only person that cares is myself. Nobody else cares about the things I've done in my past except me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that needs to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the mistake I made for the longest time was internally thinking that I need other people to be okay with the things I've done. Which and I is, think that, yeah, yeah. And then right? you're worrying about the thing that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's the height of stupidity, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I, um, I would encourage you to check out some uh, meditation uh, apps or meditation uh, audio. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I know, do you know of Sam Harris? I do. Sam Harris has a meditation series on SoundCloud. Okay. Um, I've yet to check that out, and I actually frequent uh, Headspace. I've uh, I've meditated on and off with uh, maybe like a few days in between when I'm off um, for like the last eight months. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've used Headspace, and the. I thought I could do it before on my own, that but that guided meditation uh, really brings the practice of meditation to another level. Okay, I see. Were, yeah, I, I can buy that. It's like having a strength coach, right? Absolutely. And if you were ever interested in taking your practice further or interested in finding out where you could take it, um, I'd, I'd encourage you to definitely look into it. And Headspace... Um, I don't know about other ones, but you mm-hmm. can check it out for 10 days free. That's cool. I, yeah. I will. And my mm-hmm. recommendation for you would be to check out um, uh, an internet friend of mine, and he's been on my show, did a podcast yeah. with me, um, Michael Taft. Michael Taft, T-A-F-T? Yes. And um, okay. I think maybe most of his info could be found at, uh, I think it's Deconstructing Yourself, but if you just Google Michael Taft, or find okay. him on Facebook or whatever social thing you do, but um, he's a he's a good man. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely check him out. Um, yeah, for sure. I just wrote that down. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Man, this was fun. I was actually uh, I didn't want to admit it. I don't know if I did at first, but I was mm-hmm. kind of dreading this tonight. I wasn't feeling it. I had no firepower. Mm-hmm. I've just recovered from a brief illness and i was like eh, i should cancel and i'm like no fuck that that's rude so i got in here did this and it has been awesome this was it fantastic absolutely awesome and i have to thank you because this is the first time i've ever put myself out there like this oh okay and this has been a very enjoyable experience and um i i just have to thank you and it's the pleasure is all mine right now <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Keep it up and um, hit that blog and get some weightlifting stuff out there and teach some sports specific stuff. 
I definitely will. I it's funny you brought the blog up, but I I definitely will. Um, I definitely have to get back on it. Uh, once my semester calms down and I'm not interning as much, I I definitely have a lot of thoughts from this last three months of school and being in, a, in an internship mm-hmm. that I definitely have to pen at some point or type. I think it would be the more modern. Gotcha. Right. Right. Term for that. Just get it out there. Whatever. <laughs> however you need to do it. Right. Absolutely. Hey, uh, send me some um, links to your stuff, a profile pic uh, mm-hmm. via email, and um, I'll have this episode up in a day or two. Awesome. This was very good. I feel excellent right now. Um, I thank you. I thank you. I'm I'm energized as well, and uh, I hope we can do this again, and I look forward to interacting with you in the future. Yeah, I'll do some, um, I'll work on a few things and report back. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And then um, absolutely, yeah. if you ever have any uh, questions about strength training or looking for any guidance, uh, feel free to hit me up. Oh, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. You have a good night. All right. Bye. You too. Bye.